0: thewellnesscouch.com streaming wellness into your lives welcome to the wellness guys show with wellness experts dr lawrence tam dr Damien christophe and dr brett hill welcome to the wellness guy show i'm lawrence tam and this is the wellness guy show a weekly show dedicating bringing wellness into your lives and as you can tell my uh, co-host Damien christophe and brett hill are not here unfortunately uh uh, Damian had to go to a funeral today, and uh, Brett has been away with some with family stuff. So, I'm but I'm so excited because we've been teeing this up for quite some time, and I'm very excited, and I'm glad the boys are actually not here because then I have uh, this special guest just to myself. Now, I want to I want to be very clear on this. This is going to be a special episode because um, we have the one and only Matt Murphy. Now, who if you don't know Matt, Matt is the Australian's number one obstacle course racer he's won the inaugural australian obstacle race title in april of 2014 uh he was undefeated in all the australian obstacle course race And uh, when he when he entered it in 2013 placed second in the spartan race world champion and uh, for some of you who know that i've been i did the spartan race last year uh it was a grueling run and so i have high respect uh for him to become second in the world championship uh he has so many credentials he's won like spartan race in sydney spartan race um and raw challenges like a tough mother but like there's just there's just way too many things to talk about but he's also the, the host of espn's search for hurt program uh that it's uh it's just amazing if you ever have ever had a chance to watch it um this guy is just he just loves pain for some reason so we're gonna dive deep into that so welcome to the one sky show matt murphy
1: lawrence thank you very much and uh hi there everyone listening so Matt, man, I, I
0: got to do this. So let's, let's talk about like, you love obstacle racing. Obviously that's, you found your stride and, and you've been dominating the Australian circuit um, and, you know, winning some world titles there too as well. So let's, let's talk about how you got started. How did you, how did, what got you involved uh, into the sport of obstacle? And even, I mean, for most people don't even know that that's even a sport.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, back in 2007, uh, I had a training business on the central coast and, I figured that a good way to keep my members engaged was to have um, an event every quarter or every six months. Um, And I saw this unique event uh, down in Sydney, down in Appen, called the Tough Guy Challenge. No, Tough Bloke Challenge. And um, I said to all my members, I said, who's keen? And no one had ever done one before. And so we took, I think, two coaches down. We had about 100 of my clients went down there and um, it, I ended up winning. But um, I also had a great time uh, in the process, getting muddy, obviously, and going nuts. But it was also this, uh, the feeling of accomplishment that all of my clients had. All of a sudden, my business grew really quick Um, simply from going to this awesome event. So I was like, well, if these guys are getting a lot out of it, I'm getting a lot out of it, then the natural thing would be to do another event. So then all of a sudden we started going to other obstacle course racing events and within the matter of a few months, I was pretty hooked.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, obviously you started your career as a, a triathlon, I think, a triathlete. Yep. Um, and you represented Australia uh, when you were under 19, and you also won the national um, triathlon, uh, triathlon champion in 2005. Um, you know, one of the key things that obviously you you were always disciplined in terms of. It looks like since you were very young in terms of training. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges for a lot of people is that they they start getting into it. like how did you know? I'm going to go from a mindset perspective here. Like when you were a kid, like what made you do those things? I mean, most kids nowadays like they just want to like go on an iPad and they re- rarely want to go to a soccer practice. So, like, what what was in you? Like, did you have this natural drive or was your parents, like, you know, drove, drove you? Did that come naturally? What, what happened there?
1: Um, yeah, I guess the big thing for me, I haven't been diagnosed, but I'm sure I've got some pretty big issues. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I just wanted – the biggest thing that I noticed when I was probably, probably quite young was um, that I wanted to be outside all the time, mm-hmm. um, hence that it showed – Probably quite well, that uh, my results at school weren't the best, but my results on the sporting field were a little bit better. Um, it's just this I don't know, I guess a bit of a connection with the outdoors ever since I was quite young that I just want to be outside all the time. Um, and being outside all the time, I guess the nature of the beast is that I was always exploring. Um, you know what my body could do in the great outdoors and whether it was soccer whether it was cricket football or you know in this case triathlon running I just loved being outside and then once I could find something that uh, I could really challenge myself but also see how good I was against other competitors then it just evolved into this passion and something that I ended up being quite good at.
0: You know, one of the things I love, um, what's happened to what you just said there is that you've, you found something that you love. And I think sometimes it takes a discovery and I think, you know, um, you know, you can say like, this is the best training program or this is the best exercise for you, or this is like the best thing for you. I think we can all easily say that, but based on our own experience. And I think, yes. you know, this is really important for people to understand is that you have to find what you love. Like if you, you know, if you don't enjoy running, like running, it's going to mm. be, you know, it's going to be hard on you. And I think as an, as an exercise, if that's what you want to, if you love, you know, bike riding, I think you should, you know, find something that you love. I've always talked about you know finding something you actually obviously you don't enjoy the process sometimes because it's hard but that's the point but the thing is that if you don't actually like if you actually hate it um like <laughs> for example you find your stride going outdoors and i think that's really important to kind of know that your challenge is going to be outdoors and that's why going like tough mothers and all these obstacle challenges it allows you to you know explore that world
1: i love it and just right you know it was a pretty early morning this morning and it was freezing cold i was breaking ice down at the uh Little park that we've got down the road for um, where I do my speed sessions, and it was still even though I was probably minus two or minus four, it was like you know I just love being out here. It's just part of me, you know.
0: Yeah, well, I've I've never done an I'll be very honest, I didn't never touched an obstacle race ever, and, and I never was never into it at all. And on my fortieth birthday last year. Uh, on the third of May, I entered um, a small one, like a, the raw challenge. I was the very yep, yep, on first it, one. Times. I yeah, you were you, you won that one. <laughs> in I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you have so many awards, you can't even remember which one you won, right? Yeah. So the, I remember. Um, so last year, I, I entered on my fortieth birthday because I wanted to do something that I would I've never done. And after that challenge, I was like, wow, I I've never ran six k's in my life. Like you know, I did exercise, but I never ran like distance. And I was like, wow, like this is was actually kind of fun. And so then like. You know i was running with my friend ravi and we decided to go let's go join the spartan race let's do the super <laughs> exactly <laughs> and yeah and it was just like and then that was like i think five months away and going through five months of training just to prepare for my yep. mind and my body for it was was really amazing and but going to these challenges the raw challenge the, the men's fitness challenge and the Spartan Spartan race and uh, what i start to see is that there's a lot of people that actually are into this. They're obviously that the athletes that people actually want to do it, but there's also just a just you know people who just you know want to do it because it's fun or they just want to do something different do you notice that that it is becoming a big thing now
1: 100% we um it's huge it's insane we did uh, with a website that i'm working uh, working on <clears throat> we employed a team to study I guess do some market research into why people are doing uh, these events and um, some of the stuff that they came out with is because life is so structured in this day and age that you go to work at this time you have lunch at this time you you know everything in life is structured that when it comes to an obstacle race you are uh, put in front of the unknown so yes you're going to run you know that But what is around the corner? What's over that hill? What's through the mud? It's that thing of, um, I guess, a form of escapism into the unknown. And people feel good about that because their life is so regimented.
0: Mm. and it's it, it's so challenging too because you don't know what the next obstacle is going to be like you just know that there's like 50 obstacles in front of you but mm-hmm. you had no idea and and some of them are like extremely like you just go i can't do that but beginning in your middle of the race it's like when yes, you see you everybody it. else is doing it there's the opportunity and the exposure to it like you're going to do it and so a lot of the obstacles i find is also too is um when you're doing it for fun and just for a challenge oftentimes you're helping each other so that team yes. team thing as well and which is so amazing to be able to see to help each other even strangers you know just to get over a board, you know because it's so high like you need someone else to kind of launch you up there um i think that's all the stuff it just creates a different environment i think that's uh, so true with all these obstacle races that's available um like i love to talk a little bit about i'm going to dive like later on in the episode i would love to ask you like how you know how you prepare and what do you recommend for people to prepare themselves for um anything like this from a food and exercise perspective but i really want to kind of tap into um the reason why did you get to do a pro why did you even come up how did you come up with a concept for search for hurt by the way so if anybody doesn't know uh, could you explain what search for hurt uh, is and so that people get a context of that and then uh, and tell us how did you come up with that concept
1: cool so i guess um what it is is uh well it's search for hurt so we're searching for hurt but uh it's the idea that there's uh either teams athletes sports or events that are out there that the broader community want to know about but they don't know much about or even how to prepare for those either events or those sporting uh, events, let's say, Um, then I guess the initial idea is that I'd go and train with different world-class teams or athletes or do some of the world's most challenging events to show people what it actually takes and how hard it is to either be one of these sportsmen or be in one of these teams or complete one of these events. Um, And a big thing of it was that... uh, to show the broader community that, you know, let's just take rugby league, for example. Yes, they're on, you know, most of them are on pretty good money, but they also need to train extremely hard and be extremely um, committed to a team or to several teams if they swap teams over years and, years and years and years and their lifespan's very short. And I can give an in-depth, I guess, look at what it takes from the aspect of, you know, I'm a pretty fit guy, But these guys are absolutely making a meal of me, whether it's Danny Green, obviously boxing, Jens Pulver from UFC, God, like Toby Price from um, who's just won the Dakar rally. Um, The range of sports has been ridiculous, but just to give people that little insight into what these athletes or teams have to go through to be at the level that they're at.
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing. We, I literally just finished a podcast recording on our Inside Champions Mind podcast that I did with Marcus Pierce, and we just talked about that. You know how we often try to look at look at these athletes, and we say, "Wow, like isn't it amazing? They're so talented. They're just born given talent." Hmm. I mean, there's a small component to that. I mean, I agree. Like certain sports are attributed, like you know, say basketball. Like you have to be tall, right? Well, you don't yeah. have to, be, but most people, if you were taller, you have a, a, a more likelihood to actually yes. make the NBA. However, like the skill that you need to, to develop, you know, the years of dedication. And I think that Search for Hurt does that. You dive deep into like how, even though you're a fit guy, just because you're fit doesn't mean that, you know, these guys who've dedicated their whole entire life as a professional to play their sport, we as like, uh, as, uh, I guess as an audience kind of cheer, like how can you didn't catch that ball, right? <laughs> Why didn't you catch that football mm-hmm. or, or score that goal? How can you miss? You know, we were yelling as like, you know, from the, as a, uh, um, I guess like a TV couch coach or something. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Uh, yep. We don't understand because we only see the, the two hours of game time, but we never see see is the hours yeah, on, of pain exactly.
1: that, that was, they get you just to just hit the nail on the head it's that you know as the viewer we we see the game we see the end result we don't see what goes on behind that result and that's what I was interested to I guess find out from all different sports and um, I was blessed enough that um, ESPN picked it up and um, we were able to yeah, get out and see a hell of a lot of sports a hell of a lot of sports
0: so you know in your experience what, what were some of the toughest uh, things that you've done you know or toughest sports that you had to enter what well, can you name a few that were just like or maybe like toughest yeah. sport. you didn't think it was gonna be that tough but it yeah. actually blew your mind
1: well i think um also toughest but also skill set required so obviously you know let's just say boxing and um you know ufc or mma extremely tough and yes there's a huge skill set involved as well and you know i got hurt pretty bad in both those sessions with danny and with jens but uh i guess from a hard perspective yeah it's pretty scary when you're gonna get hit or kicked or punched in the face yeah. but then there's also something like let's just say the men's water polo australian men's water polo team mm. um they're tough you're practically fighting each other for the ball they're extremely insanely fit they're pretty much playing rugby union in water. <laughs> like it's insane um And their fitness, like I can swim pretty good and like they, they swam absolute rings around me. Treading water for three hours is really tough. Mm. Um, You know, all the way to these guys like um, Joel Parkinson in surfing, you know, the the dedication and the time that goes in just to having a surfboard on a trampoline, Mm. you know, like to learn different moves. Like it's just that. 10,000 20,000 50,000 hours of non-stop consistent work and that's you know there there's been pretty much with no one that I've trained with there hasn't been any free passes I can tell you right now it's been blood sweat tears and you know a lot of money sunk into their sport or their goal and dream and you know these guys are the lucky ones that come out but there's many that fall by the wayside that um tried to get to the dream but couldn't quite get there.
0: Well, obviously, you've been able to tap into a lot of people that we would never have access to. So you get to see and train with them. What are some of the um, things that you notice about um, whether to be their food, the regimen of their rituals and mindset um, or exercise? What did you notice about that's common amongst all of them Mm -hmm. other than their training?
1: Yeah, consistency. Okay. Yeah, a. would say that's a huge one that – you know on the cold mornings or the wet nights whatever it's it's consistency you might not be the best at 10 or 12 or 14 but you're always consistent with your uh with your training with but with life in general um that's probably one of the biggest things is hard work a lot of the time um yeah and t- taking good advice taking listening to the right people is a big one too that uh, to steer them in the right direction i think um is a really good one as well.
0: Well, that's a really interesting thing that you said that because obviously, like, you know, we look at some of these athletes as like, oh, they're the best of the best that, uh, you know, we just see that they, who, who are they going to listen to? But what you're saying is that they there's always someone who's guiding them that we never see and mentor.
1: Oh, the the doctors that, I'm, I'm just trying to think if uh, any, t- oh yeah, there might be one or two that I train with that don't have someone with a PhD of probably 15 or 20 years experience in biomechanics, sports physiology, um, gymnastics like it's insane mm. um the teams of people that they have working behind them are like even toby price you know a full-time mechanic for a lot of the year to work on his bikes even when he's not in race season to make sure that everything's dialed in the way that he needs to race that bike mm. so that when it comes to race day it performs exactly the same um it's just insane
0: Well, look, 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 let me talk about yourself and also even in these athletes, when you say consistency, what makes them, what's the dedication? Like, where does that come from? Is it, is it learned, do you think, or is it, um, it's something that they already had in their genes? Let's, let me, let's go there.
1: Yeah. um, Well, I I think personally, I'm a bit of a believer and obviously, you know, this is just an opinion, but I'm a bit of a believer that we all, we all have a, I guess a, somewhat of a course in life, you know, we've, we've got, um, you know, super hardworking people that love to be outside, you know, whether it's throwing bricks, building a house, we have people that are, you know, they're really good at coding back ends of back end of a website, things like this. I think, you know, for a sportsman that a lot of the time, in my opinion, is that, you know, they're, they're born to be a committed um, athlete it's that's their role in life and whether that's right or wrong it's just you know i believe that i was born to be outside and live an active life and, and do stuff outside that's just what i was bred to do
0: yeah well, I think that it's important. I, you know, the reason why I'm asking that question is because a lot of you know who listeners are sometimes are athletes, but sometimes they're just you know normal moms and dads. But I think it's important that no matter what you're doing, it's, it's, it's having that consistency. That's why I think it's important for us to kind of take those. I love taking uh, stories from athletes and what they do, and it's just apply back to day to life because it's the having the consistency of doing the best you can, like to having the consistency of having a great lifestyle. It's not about diets. It's about you know or just having a you know two or three months of training. It's about being consistent at that, exactly. even if it's at you know at a local level or even at a at a home level what about well let's talk about a little bit about food what, what was I mean every I mean every athletes gonna be different because they all need different energy requirements and and, and different sport uh, or we can just maybe talk about you what do you what do you find that's most that's been consistent across the board amongst all the people you've met or even within yourself that you found that is really important to kind of focus on from a food and nutrition perspective
1: clean yeah less processed goods yeah
0: yeah uh, simple as that
1: right yeah 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 it really is if you're consistent which we've you know um, talk to, obviously that word's come up a lot, but consistently clean, you know, eighty, twenty, ninety, ten 90, 10% of the time, you know, you're putting in more really clean food than, you know, I guess uh, processed rubbish.
0: Yeah. And that's, a, you know, that basically just your body's going to respond so much better uh, when it's actually clean. I, I think that's probably the simplest answer <laughs> that I've actually heard because it's so true because, you know, it's, it doesn't really matter so much about the types of food that you eat, but it's, it's actually just having clean food rather.
1: Exactly right. Yeah. You like you like, can dial right in and, you know, potentially do your head right in, but, you know, I guess the least processed that it is most of the time you're going to have a pretty good operating engine
0: yeah and i love that you split that up it was like 80 20 90 10 whatever you want it to be i think your the percentage that you choose we going to be the, the response that you're going to get at the end mm-hmm. yeah exactly right um let's talk a little bit about uh you know forms of exercises and stuff what what do you love like what what i mean you i mean be an obstacle racer you kind of have to have Everything. Like, it's not just mm-hmm. one thing. Like, I, I when I ran the Spartan race, man, that last 300 at the end of Zed Stadium yeah, like, literally freaking killed me. You know, like, I was so dehydrated. um I got to like 100 meters into it, and I had, I like <laughs> literally saw 200 meters. Like, I could see the freaking finish line, mm-hmm. and uh, my calves gave up on me, and I like, almost quit. Like, I almost quit. But, you know, let's just keep moving forward, right? That one step at a time. Oh. It was tough, man. Okay, I'm glad you said that because now it actually makes me feel
1: better. I was <laughs> better. redlining so bad; it was ridiculous. Oh, really? Okay, that really <laughs> makes me feel
0: really, really good now. So, because I was, it was, I, was, it was, I, was, I was struggling, and I honestly, I almost had, to, I feel like I was going to quit just because, but you, you know, just because I, I don't know, what my body could take any more.
1: Um, but it also it comes back to, it comes back to that thing that you had expectations of yourself that hmm. could have been very easy. You could have just sat at the top of one of the walls and rested for three minutes, let the heart rate come down and then go yeah. but you had a an inbuilt you know i guess expectation of what you wanted to achieve otherwise you would be disappointed with your effort take result out of that equation it's you're disappointed with the effort that you put in um. And once again, it comes back to the kind of human being you are. There's no disrespect to someone that doesn't want to tear themselves a new one mm-hmm. through that course, yeah. but it only hurt that much because you chose that you wanted to hurt that much.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's so that's, true.
1: That's what I love that you know, there's people that finish their line in 100th that are absolutely gutted. And then there's someone that finishes 99th that feels okay.
0: Yeah, that feels happier. They finished.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> they finished. So,
0: yeah. So- so, a bit, so what, what what's your favorite exercise? What do you do to train on a regular basis?
1: Um, I like to run a lot of hills, <laughs> <laughs> so like really, really, really big hills, like um, really, yeah, crazy big hills. Um, you know, 40 percent grade. Um, I just like the feeling of knowing that when you get to the top, you're going to be rewarded with a really cool view, and then you obviously you get to come back down as well. Um, and I like the idea of the whole fell running scene that's in um, Northern England, Wales, um, that two guys were in a pub one day and one said to the other, I bet you I can race you to, you know, the town over the mountain. And they said, all right, well, deal, let's go. So they had to race over the other side of the mountain to the other pub. Um, right. But they, they didn't pick a track. It was just straight over. Um, oh God. So it's called fell running, you know, you just pick your line and you go. Um, and I like the whole, whole idea of um, the – it's not only first to the top of a mountain, but you've also got to get back down. Mm. And, you know, going down is so much fun. You just feel free. It feels like you're flying.
0: Yeah, it's a totally different skill set too as well.
1: Yeah, and I like um, it's that when you when you learn to descend pretty fast, it's so cool because you feel almost like you're part of, uh, I know it sounds pretty, pretty out there, but it feels like you're actually part of nature. It feels like you're, you're one with uh, foot and rock and dirt and everything that's under you that you know exactly what's going to happen on every foot strike. And it's so cool. You feel so free. Yeah.
0: Well, that's awesome. Like, uh, I mean, one the, the hill running is a tough, tough workout, you know, no matter what great yes. it is, it's just, yeah. it just hurts and burns. Yeah. Um, yep. you know, so let's talk a little bit about that. Like, I mean, and you, you train hard. Um, how often do you train?
1: Um, I guess how often, or it would be more based on volume, Mm -hmm. so at least one to two sessions per day. Um, But on volume, you'd look at sort of 14 hours up to a big week would be probably 20 hours. Um, So it's not a huge, I guess, for a cyclist, like most cyclists would be up around 30 hours a week in the saddle. but due to, I guess, the impacts that I have to, you know, put up with, especially, you know, on the down and the eccentric loads, etc., that are on the body, you can only run so much. Um, and I know that when I run over about 120 Ks a week, I am going to get injured. So I don't go over 120 kilometres a week.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, well, we talked about earlier, just before we recorded, um, you were talking about you were doing a talk with personal trainers and, and stuff. And what do you think, you know, there's so many different types of exercises that are out there, you know, so many different types of style, you know, there's CrossFit, you know, the F45, and you got, you know, yoga, I and mean, all the stuff that's going out there, like, what are your what do you see that's out there that most people are doing wrong? I'd love to know more about that.
1: Yeah, yeah um <clears throat> people they just look for the quick fix that you know you may have a 40 year old male that wants to get fit well that's fantastic wants to lose weight whatever um, but they want to do it too quick um, you need to you know your for let's you know hypothetically a 40 year old male you know he's got 40 years of life 50 years of life left in front of him and six months of losing weight but not actually learning about your body and what your body is capable of and learning how it should move. Mm. Um, even just spend that six months. Obviously, I believe you should learn how your body's moving all the time um, and obviously improve. But – to just spend six months from 40 to 40 and a half and explore the way that you should squat, that you should deadlift, even just sit in a deep squat, um, learning the ranges and try to increase range through all different joints, ligaments, tendons, muscles, and have a supple body. And therefore you're going to have less risk of injury. And therefore you're going to be able to lift more weight. And then when you can lift more weight, you're going to burn more calories, you know, and the list goes on. Um, But people are always in a rush and, I think trainers are rushing with them, yep. um, and I think it's really it'd be good, nice. And it's not going to happen. It's the way the world is. So no matter how much you preach it, I'm a pretty honest that yeah, it's not going to happen. That you know there will be a select few that you know do want to teach great movement mechanics or you know good health, structural health um, first. Um, but as I said, you know most people looking for the quick fix, and a trainer hasn't got the guts to actually say, well, we will get to that, but first. Let's focus on this, and this is why you need to, I guess, earn someone's trust. But once again, it comes back to that quick fix. So, I guess, in summary, teaching people to move efficiently and effectively very early on in exercise, and just implementing that across uh, the rest of your training regime, is very important.
0: Well, that's the same. Like it's so, um, it's so disheartening um, when you train and all of a sudden you you get injured because mm-hmm. you wrong, you just made wrong moves and you didn't train certain parts of your body you know in a correct order and and you can't do it and then you, you got to take a week out or two weeks out or a month out and then all of a sudden you lose the momentum and uh, that's what you're you where know, yep. really to kind of get to is that when you lose momentum it's a lot harder to kind of get back on um, and, and, and so that's why it's so important to kind of go through that process but we, we do live in a world of quick fixes we do live in a world of instant gratification so it's, it's hard mm-hmm. for, for people to kind of know that hey just doing a simple squat with no weights is actually probably the f- first best move that you could do right rather yeah. than just and, pumping and, on as much weights as possible
1: you've got a, a, an applied exercise and applied outcome, um, then definitely you know load that puppy right up if the result is going to get you what you're after for your goal. Mm. But if just general pop, you don't need to be moving a lot of weight. Move a small amount of weight efficiently and you're going to get a lot out of it.
0: Yeah. What's uh, I want to kind of talk a little bit about the, um, you know, I know that for Search for Hurt in a couple of seasons, in season two, I think you actually, you know, had a competition to select uh, a team yes for people search for hurt and and so you know obviously the people competed against each other to kind of get to that spot what what do you think you know uh, in in the selection process did you notice like was it the best athlete that came through or was it there was there something beyond that was there like a a mindset that kind of that 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 was internally driven there that actually that made um someone more successful uh than someone who didn't
1: 100 percent, yeah 100 percent. both leah and pap um were they the best athletes and, you know, they definitely weren't. And they wouldn't mind me saying that because, you know, we're all honest that they were definitely not the best athletes there. But one thing that they were, where they were tough as nails. Um, mm. That And that's what you need. Like people weren't watching, watching Search for Hurt for people to quit. So <laughs> they needed to see them dig part of their soul out if necessary. And I'm not saying that that's all at all healthy, which is not, uh, you don't want to be having to dig that deep too often in life. But some of the challenges which I and Search for Hurt were going to throw at them were going to be bloody tough. So, yes, we were looking for someone that could move well, somewhat efficiently, um, but also that needed to be tough. Um, and one thing that stood out with Andrew, Pat, was I think we got to about the six-hour mark of the 13-, 14-hour session and, his hip flexors and quads completely seized up. So on one of the five thousand meter row efforts, he just rode five K just with back extensions. Didn't even know, no no um no knee flexion whatsoever. No hip flexion. Sorry, no knee flexion whatsoever and just back extensions for five K.
0: Oh my god. Like,
1: well, it's not really safe. Um, but he's tough. And that's, that's pretty much what security spot that I needed someone that was tough as Niles.
0: For you, when you do these, um, when you do these, you know, put yourself in situations that whether you know you maybe or not, whether you're going to complete something, but what, what makes you keep going? Like, uh, and the reason I'm asking this question is that, you know, I come across this a lot. And so when I'm in the middle of a a workout, you know, that they, they throw at you and, you're like, I don't know if I can do this. But, some, you know, you always do. And when you do it, and you're like, there's a point where we sort of hit that wall. We're going, can I do more? Can I push it? Like, What do you say to yourself? What goes in your head? I'd love to just know a little bit more mm-hmm. about that.
1: I think so there's a couple of things that would come in. Um One would be I, I want to make sure that I'm tougher than the guy next to me. Um, and that's okay. just, I think, a male thing. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, it's, you know, testosterone driven. I think it would, you know, go back. Uh, you know, thousands of years, that feeling that, you know, I want to make sure that I'm tougher than this person, you know, that's definitely there. But it's also that um, I guess the next point would be can I sleep tonight and be honest with myself that I dug as deep as I could have? And if the answer is no, then I better put one foot in front of the other or I better do one more burpee or I better go a little bit harder because you've got to live with that decision forever, um, and if you want to look back on that decision and you think that you didn't, then you're not going to get that time back. Um, and I think finally it would be since my wife had Jack, uh, 24 hours or 30 hours of labor, If <laughs> <You laughs> the pull out of a race, <laughs> I know that the wife's going to have a few things to say to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. So
1: to watch her go through that. Um, it was quite an experience. So anything that I have to go through will be nothing in comparison.
0: Wow. That's it's good because I think that's most of us, you know, we, we, we let ourselves down in our own head. And that's why I would love to, you know, to, to ask that question because it, you you're just showing us so, so how, where do you tap into that next level? Because it is in all of us. It's just our ability to tap it in while we're in action.
1: Oh, hundred percent. It's part of the brain, you know, it's, it's there. Some people have it, some people don't. And there's no, you know, it's not a bad thing that you don't have it. It can be good because so, sometimes you do finish events and you question why you did that
0: yeah, that that's great. I I think um you know I met you I met uh, you through Leanne Anders and uh, Leanne Anders and I are um you know creating a project together and and uh, it's called a, a Human Project Australia and the reason why it's called a Human Project is because there's a Human Project in the United States um, by a guy named Wes Chapman who I've met and uh, he's got an amazing story in itself and you know his goal is to um basically help teenage you know kids um deal with abuse and and depression and suicide thoughts and because he's you know had those things in, in his past and you know if you ever want to go check it out go to a dot com and 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 find out his story but um we're we're really excited to be able to bring him out here in uh late august and september into australia this year and we're, i'm just really thankful um to to have you as an ambassador to the human project australia um I think, you know, what we just talked about is that, you know, we can push ourselves, in hum- you know, as humans to kind of do that next thing. But oftentimes, as a teenager, you know, they lack that ability. Um, they sometimes don't know who to turn to who that mentor is, uh, to kind of guide them in the right direction. And uh, um, do you want to speak about that? Like, I mean, in terms of, you know, why you wanted to become an ambassador for us and, and, and for, for this particular project and bringing Wes out here?
1: Well, I think, you know, it's, um, with Search for Herd, et cetera. I guess it's put put myself in a position now that um, I can, I guess, get a message that I believe in across to, you know, several thousand people and for that message to be used for good has got to be a good thing. So I guess for quite some time kind of thought about, you know, I'd like to do this to help other people. I'd like to do that to help other people. Um, But for one, I'd, I'd never had the time or resources to start something or, I guess never been, never felt right about help, oh, not not so much not felt right, um, something that, I, yeah, I guess I'd be more passionate about. Then, mm-hmm. yeah, Leanne's been coming to training. She mentioned, you know, uh, the Human Project, and um, we started talking more and more, obviously looked at what, what it was about and then um, also, you know, just thought that, yeah, if you can get, get these, you know, not just necessarily kids, you know, young adults really out of situations or at least advise them and, <laughs> Let them know that there is light on the other side. That's got to be a really good thing. And, you know, if that message of my ability to reach the broader populace can help, then happy days. Not that at all – I'd never say that I've been through situations that some of these young adults or children have been through themselves, but, you know – If my message can be that, you know, if you work hard, which I've had to work bloody hard, and as we said, consistently, Mm. then there'll be light at the end of that tunnel. And if that message can get out there to, you know, potentially drag them out of a situation that they're currently in, then that'll feel pretty good.
0: Well, I'm just I'm really excited that you you decided to uh, be part of this project and thank you so much uh, and uh, you know really respect you know your ability to to do what you do but also um, you know you wanting to utilize your status to be able to help us out so thank you very much for that um, for those listeners like uh, I know this is not really a promotion but this is an ask I, I have an ask to to help out is is if you know of any schools if you are actually a listener who, who are in a school or that feels that uh, this message resonates with you and that he can come here just basically comes and uh, and and Speaks at your school and, and talk to the kids there individually, one on one, and and there's no cost to this. We're going to fundraise our this ourselves, um, and we're going to run an event. I think uh, late, uh, sort of mid September um, for this, and for you know business owners and entrepreneurs. If you're interested in that, uh, it's a weekend with Wes and uh, several other speakers. Please come out. You know, just reach out to me personally, uh, Lawrence uh, at thewellnessguys.com. Um, we can definitely hook you up, and uh, and and you'll hear more information about that. So, but you know, back to you, Matt. I really want to say thank you again for just i just i love this conversation because it gets to areas that we all kind of want to know in regards to other athletes and everything else but we never get to see it and you actually you know not just see it firsthand as a reporter or anything but you actually did it uh and and, and get to train with them and do the things and, and i'm sure you found a, a real appreciation for what they're able to bring but you like yourself and to be able you as an athlete this is just amazing to be able to see uh the things you've accomplished and uh and you're starting i think uh, some obstacle course training because obviously it's a big thing right now so tell us a little bit more about that new project
1: yeah, so about nine nine to 12 months ago, myself, uh, John Albon from Norway, he's the world's number one obstacle racer, and uh, Ryan Atkins from Canada, he's world number two at the moment. He, um, We all got, got, uh, I guess, together from my manager. He said, you know, we should develop a program and implement some of our training strategies and, our, I guess, our training history. Um, and, yeah, we've got a, an online training platform that's been up and running a little while now, obstaclecourse.training. Um, we've got thousands of people around the world that have been um, going through the program, program and programs, and just going nuts. Um, really happy with it, and I think the biggest thing that we've noticed is how um, undertrained, or at least uh, the potential lack of knowledge that novices have and the dramatic results that they're getting from implementing a simple uh, seven hour a week training plan that is actually structured and periodized and yeah it's really awesome and you know when you jump online every morning and you see oh these are my results and you can see that they've decreased huge amounts of time on the running or increased pull-ups or increased grip strength it's pretty cool
0: yeah that's awesome it's a it looks like a great uh stuff that you're doing you got a four-week beginner training and you got a 10-week advanced stuff um it's so cheap too as well and so it's a great way for people just to kind of get started and uh i mean you you can't go into these obstacle races thinking that all right i'm 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 fit enough like you <laughs> have take my word for it you kind of have to have some sort of uh training at least uh otherwise you're gonna hurt yourself and,
1: well, and at the end of the day and it makes it more enjoyable as well you know like when you can rock up and it's going to be a lot more enjoyable rather than just suffering the whole time, then yeah, obviously it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good thing.
0: Yeah. Great. Matt, thank you so much for your time and, and, uh, and your expertise and thank you so much uh, for sharing your knowledge. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been great chatting with you.
1: No, I really appreciate your time. And, uh, everyone out there yeah just remember check out the human project and um yeah thank you very very much
0: um all the links that i'll um, i'll leave to, to if you want to get in contact with matt or just seeing what he's up to uh obstacle course doc training or all these other links i will just leave it into the show notes uh so just check out check us out at the wellnesscouch.com and find the wellness guys and to this episode and we'll find us there guys if you're on facebook please like us and comment there below uh on this particular episode and let us know what you think of matt and subscribe to us on itunes you know it's a great spot to for, uh, to kind of tell us and give comments on what you think about this show um it's, it's just how we can get more reach and until next week begin creating wellness into your lives lead by example let's change the world's health together join us next week on the wellness guy show this has been a production of the wellness check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives